Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. I always described it as, oh, I live in a haze or details mm. just like pass me by. I would walk by someone uh, thinking who knows what I'd be thinking in my head and wouldn't, you know, recognize it's a friend passing by. So <laughs> right. I always thought that I live in a haze and that was just my thing in my personality. Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode seven, and today I'm talking with Dennis Perry, an ADHD creative who focuses on delivering authentic info in a fun format for other ADHDers. As a biochemical engineer who spent her whole life working in biotech, her passion is to make scientific info accessible to fellow ADHDers, support neurodiversity awareness, and explore her own late diagnosis. But first, I'm excited to announce my Refocus Your ADHD Brain course coming in early August. This cohort-based course is based on my upcoming book Refocus and will help you build the tools and strategies to make the most of your unique brain. You'll work alongside a like-minded community of others with ADHD to become an ADHD pro and build your brain strategy playbook. Sign up now to get the early bird pricing at refocus.cc. That's R-E-F-O-C-U-S dot C-C as in cohort course or cool cat. I can't wait to see you there. Now let's get to the show. Dennis, thank you for being on the show. It's great to have you here today. It's excellent to meet you. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to hear more about your story. We've connected on Instagram and sort of, you know, we're both creating different ADHD content on there and following each other and commenting on each other's stuff. And uh, yeah, I'd love to kind of dig into your your own history with ADHD. What was life growing up with ADHD, whether you knew it or not? And when did you kind of find out that you might have ADHD? So I did not know growing up. Um, so everything kind of came into focus through diagnosis, looking backwards. A lot of people probably go through that experience. But true kind of focus to ADHD came to after I met my husband. He's my mm. second husband. And I met him six years ago. And we had so much in common and a ridiculous feeling of comfort and harmony. But in the mm. sense that we're both kind of messy in the same ways and we're not bothering each other or um, time blindness is a big issue for me. So I just, I always described it as, oh, I live in a haze or details mm. just like pass me by. I would walk by someone uh, thinking who knows what I'd be thinking in my head and wouldn't, you know, recognize it's a friend passing by. So <laughs> right. I always thought that I live in a haze and that was just my thing in my personality. So then I met my husband and he was already diagnosed he was already on medication and some of the things started clicking and I'm like, I'll just read about these things because I worked in biopharmaceuticals and I'm interested in medicine. And uh, kind of through that, digging through, just like uh, slowly, like the light started shining. And I was like, wait a second, this is me. <laughs> so that that kind of 
the kind of self-diagnosis that I went through. And then you know how when you get to a point, you realize little story points pop up from your past started connecting. Mm, mm -hmm. I just remember that I was seeing a counselor uh, in grad school in Boston and I was kind of depressed. I think during uh, transitions, I just fall into this over analysis of what's going to come next. And if you don't know what's happening next year, it's just a little bit. Those are the times that I feel a little bit. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's not true depression, but it feels frozen in time. So I started seeing the school counselor and uh, she said, you might not be depressed, but maybe you have ADHD if you want to get tested. And I'm super dismissive. I just like am the worst when it comes to these types of conversations. I was like, I am totally depressed. Let's just please tend to that. And then um, that memory just opened up. Someone told me, a professional, about ADHD, and I dismissed them in the past because I was so mm. focused on what I thought was you know, real. Well, after that, I guess uh, last year, some super newly uh, diagnosed, a baby diagnosed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> last year, I thought, hey, I might as well just go through and have a formal diagnosis uh, if I wanted to have medication or something. And that's what I did. Nice. And what um, I know you told me before, for your diagnosis, you've used one of those online sites for going through that process. And I know there's been a lot of kind of, I, I hear questions from people like, are they legit? There's been articles that kind of question some of the stuff. And I'd love to hear just like what your experience was like. Was it a positive experience? Do you recommend people do that if they're because diagnosis is so hard to get yeah like what was that experience like for you uh for me it's like checking a box so it was mm. also it was during pandemic everyone was doing online you know my doctor was online as well so it didn't feel like i was doing something sketchy or separate from <laughs> the rest of the medical community mm -hmm. um it was kind of easy you just do like a test and then you talk to a professional in terms of is it does that replace uh, in-person diagnosis? They they are a business, right? They want you to get diagnosed because they have other services after you get diagnosed. You could start doing therapy through them. They could do medication sure. and stuff like that. So it is in their best interest that you do have ADHD, you know, as opposed to not. So that's that's kind of a judgment a person can decide if they want to go through that or not. Right, right. If you don't have access to services or if it's too expensive, I would totally go through it. It's just one more data point for you to decide if, if you're going to keep going or if that's something that you feel like maybe this is not for me. Right. So after after you figured out that you had ADHD and and maybe after your diagnosis, I wonder if you went through. Well, I know for me, I went through kind of a mourning period and like just this major aha moment of looking back mm -hmm. and like, oh, if I'd only known I would have done this differently. And yeah, what was that like? It actually still unfolds after a year. Mm. It's very interesting, right? Um, Interacting with people online has become also another step in that unfolding for me. The details people post un unlock weird memories. Some people are really good mm. at, especially, you know, posts like yours, just very pinpointing a special place that you never even mm. think about until you read it. And then you just, you're just thrown for this loop of uh, memories and emotions that unlocking, thinking, oh, well, that was that. This other person <laughs> right. is going through the same thing. Online yeah. community is amazing and mind-blowing how specific people can be. And compare that with the, uh, you know, medical diagnosis criteria with like seven entries or something. Do you make careless mistakes? 
what's up with mm-hmm. your time management or whatever, whatever the questions are. <laughs> right. I'm not, not going to pretend to know the questions, um, <laughs> even though I read them so many times. But right, um, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's an unfolding thing that sometimes I feel like I was lucky not to because I would over uh, analyze it and probably hold back from certain things like skills or the mm. more you learn, right? I also have illness anxiety which the more I read about a disease, the more it becomes a part of my anxiety. And um, even if I don't have it, I can easily pretend to have it for a tiny bit. So with ADHD, if I mm-hmm. had known earlier, I wonder it would be a worse outcome for me because I actually did okay in life. I had a like, nice family. They didn't say that I was stupid. They were supportive. Mm. Um, my right, mother right. probably an undiagnosed uh, ADHD or herself. All these memories just going back. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, how did we not see that, right? Um, <laughs> but she was nice and she was always there for me. I remember many Sunday nights, me like not having done my homework, just point of tears thinking, yeah. oh, how am I going to do that? And then she'd be like, okay, you'll do the math and science and I'll do some of your homework. Like this woman actually <laughs> sat down to help me finish my homework. Just maybe bad parenting, but that's what I needed at the time. <laughs> and without knowing, she really did, did a you know fantastic job supporting me without making me feel like a horrible person. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's bad parenting at all. I think that's great. There's, I, I think so much of you know so much of like the school system, particularly with homework, is built around you know that it's you know it's the round hole and we're the square peg and like we're just not really fitting with mm-hmm. what they expect us to do cuz i did the same thing i i basically did no homework why didn't your mother do for you <laughs> well at, they definitely were my parents were helping out with like projects and stuff but at some point i just stopped telling them i i, I don't remember what i said <laughs> i probably just i i probably lied and just told my parents like oh they don't really do homework in high school or I was doing it in school or I don't know what I said, but I definitely, I just sort of stopped doing it and I would do well with testing, but the actual like homework, I just, I just didn't do any of it. So I'd end up with like C's and D's in classes, even though I was, I was learning this stuff. Mm -hmm. I like, I've always been a really good learner, but actually doing that, that busy work, which is what it felt like to me. It was like, yeah, it was no good. And I I think it's great for parents to find ways like that like if you have to do the homework for the kid but you know they're still learning it i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i think that's great so i grew up in turkey so i went to school in turkey oh, yeah. too and um i'm just living like a whole different life with different systems thankfully mm. um you know just learning through my son and my daughter is little but school seems so much nicer here also generational hmm. right maybe it's nicer in turkey too um a lot more accommodations are available. We know a lot more about people's learning styles and things like that. But still, it really depends on the teacher and the person. You just need to be yeah. lucky to get to the point. I posted recently about how my son's current teacher is amazing. She's never bothered me about anything. And she, when, when I got to meet her, she was just like, oh, yeah, He's a little bit passionate about some stuff and there's this and that. <laughs> and then she said, don't say any of this to him because he's doing just fine, you know. Right. She knew how mm-hmm. to take care of the situation. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely find uh, I've got three kids in uh, two of them in elementary school. And yeah, the same. It's it's amazing how much the right teacher can make a difference. And it, it, it just feels like some some teachers seem to get like how like, oh, this kid 
is doing things different and that's okay. And I can kind of adapt things to work with their brain. Um, yeah, cause we've definitely experienced, we've never had a terrible teacher with either of our kids, but we've had some teachers where it's like, well, we'll get through this year and we'll support the kids at home as much as we can. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there's been other years where like the teacher clearly like, oh, this teacher really gets it. And like is really helping our kid feel like they are smart and that they're excelling and doing great in class which is great because as with adhd that that is so much of what we need to hear that encouraging message like that that just like brings out the best in us if you tell if you tell me i'm doing awesome then it's going to make me be even more awesome like i'm going to go you know uh over and above to try and prove like yeah that's right i am doing really great at this that's so true can I tell you something? Yeah. So similarly to teacher thing, um, currently I'm working for a person who is like the director of our team and he leads by only positive uh, reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's like a parent, the sweetest person ever. But in his position, he could also be, you know, half and half. It's, right. it's, it's so weird. I've never, I worked for really nice people. I've never worked for just like a horrible person. But this mm-hmm. is really, I feel like I just, I can never work for someone else because now <laughs> I just only get, you know, <laughs> I don't know how he does it. He just does every, but everyone's interaction, as I can see, is with positive reinforcement. So mm-hmm. imagine his kids, right? The kind of support that he gives to his kids. What a great parent to grow up with. Right, right. Yeah, I've definitely found that to be true with managers. Like there's been specific managers there's a manager i had uh for like four years at my it's still at the job i'm still at he's not my manager anymore but he there was something about like he just understood how to manage my brain and so whereas i've always felt well not always but often felt in previous jobs like i was battling my manager or like mm-hmm. i they, they didn't understand that for me i i find in my job i can be really critical of things but it's because I want it to be the best. And so mm-hmm. like I find I can I find problems with things because I want to fix them and I want things to be mm-hmm. better. And in the past, I've had a lot of managers that they don't get that. They just think like I'm I, I don't know, I'm like I'm trying to cause problems or <laughs> like just criticizing things or complaining or whatever. And this manager that I had for several years, like he understood like Jesse's just trying to get the best out of this. And so he did a great job of like redirecting my passion or whatever it was. And so we created really great products. It was, it was uh, awesome. And so, yeah, I think a manager can have such a great effect if with that positive, encouraging sort of message. So speaking of like uh, careers and stuff like that, I'd love to hear more about how you got to where you're doing. So what, what exactly is your job? It's like biochemistry, science. I don't totally understand it. So I'd love to hear uh, from your words, what that's like. I'll go a quick, quick summary. So I went to school for chemical engineering. I always wanted to do bio, um, ended up doing an internship in a biogen in Boston. It's a biopharmaceutical company. I learned cell culture there. And then I moved to Maryland for my current job. So I worked in the lab doing, you know, uh, cell culture development, small bioreactors and things like that. Three years into that, I switched to more of an informatics role. So I would I started developing apps for all the data coming from the experiments. So I was an R&D. Okay. 
and I did that for 10 years, which moved me to more kind of a UX role, user experience role, or usability or, you know, prototyping design and things like that. During that time, also, I also did like Six Sigma and businessy stuff and projects and organization, all that stuff. It's, you know, I feel very fortunate because my job paid for so many uh, trainings for me over the years. I worked there for so mm -hmm. long in different roles. Um, in the last three years, I moved to the IT organization and uh, my subgroup is called Tech Innovation. So it's just a bunch of people doing interesting stuff. And I get mm. to do the communications and I get to do the portfolio. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a perfect ADHD job. There's colorful stuff. There's always interesting <laughs> things and people who know interesting things want to talk about new things. So um, it's been a, an interesting journey for sure because it started from like hands-on science to here. And I've always wanted to, I always enjoyed putting out some sort of communications because when you work in science, it's complicated and weird, right? You have to communicate it to different levels of people <laughs> right. in business. And I've always been bothered by looking at these um you know, ADHDers just check out easily. If what I'm looking at is too many weird words, I'll just like uh, go into the dream world or whatever. Like sometimes uh, because I'm trying to learn a lot about ADHD, I'll be reading studies and stuff and I'll get into a certain part point in the study and then I just sort of eyes glaze over <laughs> methods Ooh, this is not yeah exactly like <laughs> this is not my world I'm not trained in like knowing how these all these research papers are done and it just feels like oh there's a lot of bureaucracy required <laughs> for this study and I'm sure that's sort of the same sort of thing that you run into a lot yeah so I just became passionate about not ever putting out communications that are garbage for their audience <laughs> And I've practiced mm -hmm. it all through my career. And when I came to my current group, there wasn't a lot that I needed to put out, but there's a need inside of me that wants to do slide sets. I cannot explain. It's like a monster who wants to make a slide <laughs> set. So when I started the account, uh, Instagram account, that's what just came out of me. And then I was right, just like, right. oh, I can do whatever. This is not a job. I can use whatever uh, color I want. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if there was like a freedom and it's just became kind of an obsession, to be honest, in the past six months. Yeah, yeah. I find like what you said, kind of taking that complex stuff and making it, oh, I don't know what the word digestible or like easy to understand for people that don't know, maybe don't know all those words or don't have the time to read through it. I feel like a lot of what, yeah, the content you create and similarly the content I create, I feel like a lot of that is what I'm doing is I'm trying to like, I'm trying to learn the science and stuff to really understand a lot of like the co complexity behind that and then sort of distill it down into like something more practical and easy to, so that you can understand this thing without having to read the 30 page study and that I can, you know, translate it to yep. a tweet or like you, you'll have, yeah, like your slide decks, you'll have like several slides in a row that really explain uh, this topic in a way that's easy for people to understand. And then people can learn you know, more about how their brain works, which then once you learn that, it makes it so much easier to just like adapt your own behavior in life and kind of cope with the symptoms or behaviors or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, so like what, wh why did you decide that when you were going to do 
these kind of slides and stuff on Instagram that you were going to be on ADHD and not, for example, on like the uh, biochemistry or whatever? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, one which I don't have an answer to. So I'm just <laughs> going to improvise here. Why did it? I started by thinking, hey, I want to put out something. I've been through so many trainings. Uh, I have all this information in my brain that I'm not actually actively using. So that's where it started. Mm. I was more like, do people want to learn about project management? Do What do people want to learn about? Something useful. So my earlier posts, I don't know if I haven't archived those non-specific ones, are a little bit more kind of project management-y or... Um, I don't know. Very short uh, amount of time showed me that what I really wanted to do was a little bit more focused. And then during that time, I was also reading tons of ADHD stuff. And then I started following ADHD accounts and I thought um, some of them were great and some of them were missing or misleading information. So I was like, huh, you know, what I can do is I can actually read stuff, understand it and make summaries of it and feel good about delivering scientific you know checked out information and i started in a very kind of clenchy place where i was like i had my earlier post time like sources list now Mm, i throw like mm -hmm. the urls here and there no one's you know going there and reading it and that's okay it's just like it's been a kind of a process of learning what instagram really is and what's what's acceptable and how much information can people really digest from it Yeah, I find it's kind of a tricky balance figuring that sort of stuff out because um, I I similarly like I I, I try to make sure that everything I say is either backed up by like hard evidence or studies or whatever, or it's my own experience and I declare it as such. And I think it's it's tricky to know um, because you could have like the like you could, you know, post the studies themselves on there, but no one's going to read them and no one's going to share them and no one's going to learn anything from them. Like there's like that line you have to figure out, like, how can I, I, I want to, you know, I want to help people learn about this and mm-hmm. kind of communicate these things that I'm learning about ADHD. And how can I do that in a way that isn't off-putting because it looks like too sciencey or too complex, but also isn't just like, I've heard people call it like pop psych, where it's just like, not really based in anything is just sort of like make you feel good like pretend or fake mm-hmm. psychology or like some people have called like toxic positivity where it's like mm-hmm. you just make everything really happy and positive even though that's not most people's reality and yeah it's it's an interesting um i i mean i think that's partly why probably you're drawn to it why i'm drawn to it because it's almost like a game of like trying to figure out how can I best how can I best learn this so that I can help people in a way that works? Whenever I have a post out, it's it's like I read multiple things first about uh, one thing about ADHD. It could be about sleep or whatever. So I just give myself some period just looking around and reading. And before I post, I try to find actual studies so that I can put the links mm-hmm. to them. And then I try to make it into a, like a digestible theme for the post itself, because there's so much. And I find myself writing really big blogs and um, they look a mess. Mm -hmm. And then I work on them to make make them just really short and sweet. And I just realized people don't really need the whole background information of every single thing. But, you know, maybe I kind of want to, you know, when I tell a story, it just goes so far back that 
it's not needed. No one needs it. And it's just like you were saying, it actually hinders the whole process. No one's going to be able to learn anything from that. Right. Cool. So I know lately you've posted about life as an ADHD couple. Uh, for me, my my wife is neurotypical and I'm ADHD. So that's a whole world of navigating. And for you, you're both ADHD. So what mm-hmm. I'd love to hear kind of what that's like, kind of dealing with two of those uh, radiant brains, as my friend calls it, uh, in the same household and how you manage, you know, RSD. I imagine, you know, it's difficult enough when we have one person that experiences it in our family. <laughs> So yeah, what what is that like being married to someone with similar sort of brain with ADHD? Yeah, our uh, ADHD isn't the same necessarily, but similar for sure. He is medicated mm-hmm. most of the time, and I'm never medicated. So, some things are just, you know, classic meme type of stuff. Absolutely, we don't want to pay bills. We don't want to do the <laughs> appointments and stuff. But whoever is more motivated about that will take over kind of naturally mm-hmm. or by both of us uh, procrastinating, you know, one of us will have to do it. Like an uh, example is the cars, the cars emissions test. We didn't do it to one of the cars and uh, we realized four months late. It's just like, oh, we didn't do it. It's only 10 minutes away. We talk about it all the time. So then online, <laughs> right. we, we realized we can actually push it another like three months. And I'm like, yeah, we have another three months. We didn't do it. It's like these things happen. These are just mm-hmm. like, sound like just random meme stuff, but it's the real life. Bills don't get always paid on time. Do you have any strategies that sort of help with managing a household with, yeah, two ADHD brains? I mean, we sometimes (laughs) do this. We both clean up in just like these uh, bursts. We try to Mm -hmm. implement like, hey, let's just do the downstairs before we go upstairs every night, something like that. We're, We're like a good uh team when we want to do something together one of Mm -hmm. one of us would uh encourage the other one in a like a team spirit so we just get all riled up and do it but also i think what works is there is like this level of compassion that have done stuff uh or piles of things from my point of view at least for example my husband's been super nice and he's painted our whole house since we moved which also means in an adhd household paint runs out or you know you have like the that what i'm looking at right now is a half painted wall how long is it going to be like that i don't (laughs) care it'll be done so there's just like not a big push or right. a feeling like, hey, you haven't done this. Um, so there's things mm. get done in their own time. And sometimes we would mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, we need to do this or whatever. I think that's just kind of like the main thing. There's like a undercurrent of little compassion happening. Um, right. He'll, he'll leave stuff out like milk on the counter and I'll just put it and then if I leave something, he'll put it. We don't really talk about it that mm. much anymore because you know what? It's just milk. If it's get ruined, he'll buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, for me, I think there is a, I wouldn't say compassion. I'm not going to say that there's a lack of compassion, but there there is a, sometimes like my wife and I just don't understand each other because our brains are different. And so like, like those examples, like me leaving out the milk or whatever, like my wife is going to see it and like she understands more now, you know, because we talk about me having ADHD and stuff. But we were married for 10 years before we found out that I had ADHD. And there is just like she just didn't understand what <laughs> what my problem was. And like, for example, really early on in our marriage, 
at some point, I, I can't remember. She would she would know exactly what it is. I think it was a hanger or something. There was like a hanger that I left on the floor next to like the front door. And it's like this, like, of course, trivial little thing. And every day I she would look over and see me step <laughs> over the hanger and not touch it for like, I think she counted up for like three or four weeks before she finally put it away. And she was like, what? Why would will he never put this hanger away? Um, and then there's similar things of me just like trying to understand a neuro neurotypical brain because it doesn't make sense for how my brain works. But there is the there's obviously the other advantage of like she takes care of the bills. And so like that is great. Like I don't have <laughs> to worry about mail. Remember to mail in the electric bill and things like that. It reminds me I posted recently about like some joke tweet about people like, hey, people that understand finances with ADHD, like, how do you do it? And the number one reply I got was people that said, marry an accountant or marry somebody that's good with money. Because like, that was how they were able to figure out their finances is they had a neurotypical spouse that just sort of knew how to take care of it, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, we're definitely not that. I think just like the periods of we need to do this one thing kind of leads us to motivate each other in a way. And like, I would do stuff and then he would be like, oh, she's doing stuff. I'll do stuff too. It's just like a weird kind of um, synergy. Can I say synergy without sounding like a weirdo? Synergy. <laughs> Gosh. Um, we struggle with structure and schedules, but we, we want the best, obviously, for the kids. You know, we do our best, mm. but we're not we're not that family that operates in a you know, regular cadence, like some people like, oh, it's bath time, it's bedtime or whatever. And I'm like, when did the kids be blast? I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's like, we're just trying to do our best. Everyone's healthy. That's great. Everyone's get taken to wherever they need to do get go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super yeah. into not being uh, adding extra stress. So any kind mm. of failure during the daily thing, I just, uh, I don't care. Maybe just because of the age. I don't know. The older I get, mm. the less I care in a way. <laughs> right. Like some things just aren't as important as we make them out to be, especially, yeah, when we're younger, it feels like we have to have everything or mm -hmm. we're told that we have to have everything kind of lined up. And then you kind of get a little bit older and you're like, ah, that actually doesn't matter all that much. That's we that it's fine to avoid yeah, doing this thing every single week or whatever it might be. Um, Absolutely. Cool. So I think that is a great time to switch over to uh, shiny objects. And I'd love to hear just like one, one or two recommendations of something that has been uh, something you've been enjoying lately maybe it's a movie or a tv show or music or maybe you've got a fidget toy that's just uh perfect or uh i don't know a new fancy pen what is something that's really been uh, capturing your uh interest lately okay i have two uh one is a tv show that i love uh it's mr mayor it's a tina fey mm. show um but ted danson's in it i don't know if people like comedy but that's on the only thing that i can consume 20 minutes long and if it's funny, <laughs> then I can watch it. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen Mr. Mayor, but I keep seeing the promos for it. And I love Ted Danson. Uh, my wife and I just wrapped up The Good Place, which was excellent. So good. Great ending. Some, so many shows like don't stick the landing at the end, but The Good Place was uh, so good. I love also how they evolved every single season. So that was a great show. I'm, I'll have to add Mr. Mayor to my list because Ted Danson is uh, fantastic. National treasure. Absolutely. Did you watch 30 Rock? Because that's kind of, I watch anything 
Tina Fey does, but also Ted Danson was in it. So it was just like so excited to watch it. And it delivers. Oh. Uh, there are some episodes that's just beautifully done. Oh, so good. <laughs> I'm excited for you if you haven't watched it. Yeah, um, awesome. I, I, I'll need to check it out. I, I have seen 30 Rock. I haven't seen all of them, but my wife loves 30 Rock. She's seen all all the seasons several times, I think. So yeah, yeah. we'll have to add Mr. Mayor to our uh, watch list. And it, we just finished The Good Place. So now we've got like a slot to fill with the new show. So maybe that'll be the one. Do it. Um, and then uh, <laughs> my second uh, shiny object is a Play Clay for kids. Uh, first mm -hmm. bought it for my son. It's unlike play-doh it doesn't go hard but it turns out it's a great fidget toy for a person who sits at their desk and needs something in their hands and uh, you know creative stuff comes out of it it's my thing right now i ordered myself a whole box of it and hid it from the kids because <laughs> yeah i don't do other fidget toys necessarily but i think this is the smite stick awesome you got to find the one uh, that work works for you so that's great um, I'll do a quick uh, shiny object. I don't know if you uh, do video games at all. I'm a big video video game fan. Um, and I just recently finished a game called Tunic, which is sort of this wild mix of uh, Zelda and Fez and Elden Ring and Monument Valley. So it's kind of a weird combination of all these different games. But it, it has it's got a very cutesy kind of look, very kind of mm -hmm. Zelda cartoon look. But it's very, it's full of mystery and puzzles. It's the kind of game where I had a little notebook because I was trying to solve some of the mysteries in it and like sketching down different puzzles and stuff like that. So it's, if you're into particularly the game Fez, like it's very, even though it's not, it's not the same type of game, it's not a side scroller, but it has that same sort of, mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out this mystery and I'm yeah, actually it's, writing these down. Awesome. It's yeah, it, it's an awesome game. Highly recommend checking out Tunic. It looks very simple, but it like looks are deceiving. So it's there's a lot going on in that game. Um, Untitled Goose Game is being played in my household right now, <laughs> but it's in the nice. second round. It's so fun. I love that art style. And uh, yeah. obviously, I had to like read about the studio that produced it to see if there's other ones. Um, turns out this was like a side project or something that took off and i looked at their other games and this just looks like the best one <laughs> yeah that's uh done by panic and they're a really interesting company because they do they do like software for different things for like uh you know doing websites and things like that but then they also have started getting into the game world so they did firewatch which is an older independent game that i loved it's kind of like a narrative game and then yeah then they did untitled goose game which is just hilarious that uh, my kids love that one and yeah i love that one too because you have to be a horrible person <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's great and they actually that company panic they just released a console it's kind of like a, a little game boy but it has yeah. a crank on the side almost like a fishing reel like there's a crank interface i don't know i ordered one i don't have it yet but i just they just announced their shipping soon so i'm that may be a future uh shiny object for me to share on the show but yeah such an interesting company uh the stuff they do awesome so we'll have links to all of those in the show notes if you want to uh, check those out and yeah thank you so much for being here this is great it was awesome meeting you and chatting with you as well. Yeah. So where can people follow you if they want to see the content you're creating and stuff like that? Well, I'm on Instagram and my account is at dt.perry. And soon I will have a more rambling YouTube channel for longer <laughs> content. 
but that is to be done. So Awesome. Well, we'll have uh, links to uh, those as well. And thanks again for being here. This is great. All right. Have a good one. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, Todd Barnett, and Dan Ott. It helps me do this show and the other work I do. So thank you so much for the support. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jessej. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. You can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.